So today, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up our three-part series of gratitude. And we're going to talk about the ideal of practicing gratitude in times of uncertainty. And then we're going to also talk a little bit more about the power of gratitude uh, and the importance of it in our Christian walk. So as I said, we talked a lot about um, gratitude in the light of why, how we can do so. Uh, but that's typically under the assumption that everything is okay, right? Everything is well, everything is fine, right? When life is good, you know, when, when people are friendly to me, when, you know, I drive to work and, you know, no one cuts me off, no traffic, like everything is great. Like I'm very grateful, okay? And especially now, time of Thanksgiving, in this thankful right it's like oh it's so jolly like all this great music for you people that you know love to skip almost like you're just happy you know you listen to like the sleigh bell you know the bell sound and you just like start like getting warm inside and you're just very happy right okay uh but what about in times of difficulty and this thanksgiving was a little mixed right that it was a season of thankfulness and you know, still the festive the festivities were a little different but we still had the kind of time to reflect and to eat a meal and to be with family um, in whatever capacity that may have looked like. Uh, but what about in times of sadness? Times of not going well, what do we do? How do we do this? I think a lot of us can relate to this, especially uh, with how this year kind of panned out and what this year kind of looks like. With all the crazy things, whether or, or like natural disasters, whether we are affected by it or not, uh, this kind of stuff really puts us in a not so thankful kind of mood. Okay, like it's not always easy to be thankful when things are not going well. So I want to ask you this: How many of you guys, uh, when the pandemic first started, immediately thought like, "Ah, oh, thank you." I'm so happy. Okay, maybe if you're like an introvert like me, or maybe if you're someone that works too much and needs a break, like maybe you're like, oh yes, a break, right? But I would say a majority of you guys, especially the youth, I remember at church, the Sabbath before everything just went downhill, everyone was like, oh, like I still want to come back to church. It's okay. I'll get COVID, right? Like this was the, the talk of youth at church, right? It's like, oh, it's okay. Like, we'll just keep coming to church. It doesn't matter. And look where we are now, right? But I'm pretty sure a majority of you, I would say 99% of you guys here today, did not have this emotion of thankfulness and gratitude when the pandemic first started, right? There was a lot of worry, right? There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of disappointment, right? Oh, we're going to miss out on all of these things. No camp meeting, no Kayam, no, no end of year stuff, no lock-in, like none, nothing, right? Everything is gone. No church, nothing. Some of us may have been a little optimistic when the pandemic started. Some of us may have been like, you know, it's only going to be a few months, right? Oh, we'll have our summer still, right? But I would say a majority, and even myself came to the point where the emotions and the thoughts I was feeling was definitely not of gratitude, but more of frustration, more of stress, more of worry, more of uncertainty. Now, I want to do a little bit of imagining with you guys right now. So take the time with me to close your eyes, okay? And, and don't get distracted. Don't look at other people. Just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you just got a brand new phone, okay? The iPhone 12 or whatever phone that you wanted, okay? Brand new phone. 
You worked so hard to get this phone. You did a bunch of chores for your parents, or you worked hard and got all this money. Okay, imagine just holding this phone, and you're just like, oh, yes, iPhone 12, okay? And, and then you, you go, decide to go for a run later that evening, okay? So you have this phone, you're like, I'm gonna go running. Great at running apps, so I'm gonna use this. You stick the phone in your pocket and you go for a run. And as you're running, your brand new phone, okay, slips out of your pocket and goes into a storm drain, okay? Unretrievable, it's lost, it's gone forever. Okay, or imagine this now. Imagine you're an athlete. You're a professional athlete. You had an amazing off-season. You're training, working out, working hard, preparing yourself for the big first day of sports. And then you get back on the field, and the first day of whatever sport you're playing, you tear your ACL, and you're done for the season. Or think of that job. You finally were able to get your dream job that you had been longing and waiting for. But then the company decided to downsize. And you were one of the few that was let go. Okay, you can open your eyes and look at me now. Okay? So in any and all of these situations, just imagining in whatever situation that may be, what is your initial reaction? What are the initial emotions that you feel when something like that happens? And what are some ways in which we cope with these kind of situations? You guys can share. How do you guys feel? How do you feel? Too stressful. Yeah, that's too much, huh? Like, can you imagine all three of those things happening to you? Like, oh my gosh. Right? That's so stressful. What else? Yeah, sadness, right? <laughs> what else? Uh, yeah, okay, Chloe Moon, you'd give up, right? Like, it's, it's like, what, what good is there? Like, what do I do, right? Lost my phone in the storm drain. Tore my ACL, lost my job, okay? And what next, right? Okay, depressed, right? Okay, anything else? Any other emotions that you guys want to share? How do you guys cope with this? What do you do? Do you go home and eat a tub of ice cream? Like, what are you supposed to do in a situation like this? Yeah, the ACL is a ligament in the knee. I feel like the only thing that it does is tear. I don't know what it actually does, but um, anyways. Frustration, yeah, okay? What else? Like, like rage, right? Mad, right? Okay. But, but how do we cope with this? How do we deal with situations like this? What can we do? Eat ice cream? Go for a run without your phone? Like, what do you do, right? Okay. You might decide that the best way to cope is... <laughs> you can just give up. That's the way you cope. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, right? You can simply give up. You can go eat ice cream. You can decide that maybe playing video games or maybe watching a movie or listening to music or, or just browsing the internet. Maybe talking to your friends, ranting away your sorrows. Right? Maybe some of these are the things that we think can help us get things off of our mind. Right? Now, what I'm about to say is this. I'm not trying to say that these things are wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to eat ice cream. I love eating ice cream. I'm probably going to eat it after uh, uh, lunch today. Right? Okay? I'm not saying, like, talking to your friends is a sin. I'm not saying, like, like ranting, or I'm not saying, like, coming, you know, or distracting yourself, listening to music. I'm not saying these things are bad. But I want to challenge you to think of this. Okay? I want you to think of this right here. Okay? Look at this quote. Okay? The best response in times of difficulty is having the attitude of gratitude. Okay? In the face of brokenness, gratitude has the power to heal. In the face of despair, gratitude has the power to bring hope. In the face of confusion,
Gratitude has the power to bring clarity. In other words, gratitude can help us through difficult times. Now, uh, some of you guys might be thinking, well, that's kind of hard to grasp. Like, I don't know, right? I think most, if not all of us, would struggle with this very idea. That the best response in times of difficulty is not eating a tub of ice cream, but it's having the attitude of gratitude. Like, like, think about it. Who in their right mind would feel good and be grateful about losing their job, injuring themselves, or losing their phone in a storm drain, right? Clearly on all of your guys' answers, that's not the emotion that we feel. That's not how we react to things like this. And I'm not saying that gratitude comes naturally. In no way am I saying that nat gratitude is a natural occurring emotion and a feeling that we have. But I strongly believe that in our Christian walk, when we learn to embrace the power of gratitude, we can find that gratitude will heal us, will mend wounds, uh, and, and, and bring us to a place, a better place in our lives. But in order for us to truly grasp this, we have to make a very clear distinction between two things, okay? Feeling grateful and being grateful. We have to make a distinction. There is a very clear difference. You and I know very well, okay, that our emotions are not something that we can always control, right? Your pastor, me, okay, gets angry, right? If something happens, right? If I drop my phone, I'm like, oh no, right? And I check the screen, it's like cracked. It's like, no, no, why did I do that? right? Or I'm driving to church and somebody cuts me off. I'm not thinking like, oh, God bless you, sir. No, absolutely not, right? I'm just like, oh, why are you doing this, right? Okay, so these emotions are things that we all experience, even people like me, people like you, your parents, you yourself, your siblings, right? It's not easy for us to control the way that we feel sometimes, whether that's happiness, whether that's sadness, whether that's the feeling of gratitude, our feelings and our emotions are a direct result of the things that happen around us. Right? So it's very natural for us to feel the way that we feel when we encounter different life events. So when the panic, uh, pandemic first began, like think about it. How many of you guys panicked? How many of you guys felt depressed? How many of you guys felt that there was no hope? Exactly, right? You are a testament to the fact that feelings and emotions can be a direct result of the things that happen in our world. And I think uh, it's so important that we acknowledge it, uh, but I also think that it's important that we learn to put it aside, okay? And, I, and that's why I believe that gratitude, get this, gratitude is not something you feel, but it's something you must choose. Gratitude is not something you feel, but it's something you must choose. You see, gratitude is the perspective in which we see the bigger picture of life and not get overwhelmed by the temporary circumstances and the temporary things that happen in our lives um, and the things that we may find ourselves in. And yes, this is way easier to say than to do, okay? But I think it's so worth all of our effort, absolutely. Because I believe that gratitude is so important in the Christian walk. And we'll see why. Okay? Turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 4 to 7. And uh, actually, before we read this, um, let's talk a little bit about the background of the book of Philippians. Now, Paul, who is the author of this book, 
he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, okay? Hence the title of the book, the book of Philippians, okay? Now, the church of Philippi, does anyone know where it was located? Yeah? Anyone know? Any guesses? In Philippi? Maybe, okay? Uh, it's lo located in northeastern Greece, okay? So, ancient Macedonia, basically, okay? And it was actually one of the first churches that were established in what we know now as modern Europe. So it was in this region. And if you look at Acts 16, you kind of find the story of this happening. Where Paul, he kind of lays kind of the groundwork. And he also has the first baptism, very interestingly. And it's a lady by the name of Lydia, okay, from the church of Tyrotira, okay. Uh, but anyways, that's... That's not the point. But anyways, the city of Philippi, something that's very interesting about this city that kind of puts this letter in uh, a different perspective. Uh, the city of Philippi was a Roman colony okay, in the ancient Macedonia, in northeastern uh, Greece. Uh, and it was filled with a bunch of retired Roman soldiers. Okay, and it was known for its high regards of patriotic nationalism. Okay, So you can imagine with me, these are old folks, like, it's like an old folks town, right? And, but they're all like soldiers. They're like, like military vets, and they have a huge pride in their nation. They're very patriotic when it comes to Rome. So you can imagine, when Paul and his followers go into the city of Philippi, they're not necessarily met with gladness. Because why? Because they're, they're angry. Because Paul is talking about this message that Jesus is the true king, and the king of this world, right? He's preaching this gospel message to a group of people that are like, no, it's Rome. Like, Rome is the reigning kingdom, right? So they're all obsessed with Rome. And someone's coming along and trying to bring this message that there's somebody else better than their king. And that's not going to go well with very patriotic people. Okay? So you see how problematic that becomes, especially when they look to their Roman king. They're probably thinking, like, Paul is like, trying to start this right? Like he's trying to like overthrow us. Like what is he doing? Right? And this is exactly what happened when Jesus came around and he was doing the same thing, right? Making these claims and Jewish higher ups were like, well, we got to tell the Romans that this guy is causing a ruckus, crucify him, right? So you see how that, that turns out. But you see, after Paul moves on from here, when he leaves the city of Philippi and he continues his own journey, the followers in the church of Philippi that stayed in the city of Philippi continue to be faithful. Despite persecution, despite the resistance that they were facing from the people, they continued to be faithful. They continued to do what they had to do. So Paul, in the book, or the book of Philippians, was written in a time when Paul was in prison. And basically, the letter to the Philippians is kind of this, like, thank you letter, right? But it's also a letter of encouragement to this church because he understood in his own circumstances, while he was in prison, what it was like to face challenges and struggles. And he understood by being in the church of Philippi before exactly what they had to go through. So in this letter, we see Paul challenging people of this church to continuously be encouraged to live out the Christian way of living and not conform to the standards of that city. So when you look at the last two chapters of the book, especially, what you find interesting is that Paul is pushing the central message. And the message is that we're not citizens of this earth. Rather, we are now citizens of heaven. And especially if you look at the last part of Philippians chapter 3 and kind of onward, he, he continuously reminds them of that. If you think about it, uh, we kind of live in this tension of dual citizenship. 
right? So basically in citizenship language, uh, here in our country, in America, we refer to people uh, living within our borders uh, that are not citizens here as resident aliens, right? That's what we call them. They're not alien aliens, but you know what I mean? They're resident aliens. They're foreign to this land. But basically, these are people that belong by birth to another country, but currently choose to live in our country, right? And that's basically what we are as Christians, right? We are citizens of heaven and resident aliens of this earth. And this is what Paul is kind of reminding us, okay? So with that in mind, I want you to think about the impact and the power that, that Paul has in this letter for this group of followers of Christ in the face of persecution and resistance from their neighbors and their cities. Look here, let's read this together. Um, Philippians 3, 18 to 21, and it says, For I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord of Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will tra transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious bodies. So imagining... If you were in the city of Philippi, and you were facing resistance, you were facing persecution, and you heard this letter from Paul, imagine how comforting and heartfelt that would have been. It, would, it was a very humble and honest reminder that you are not a part of this earth, but rather you are part of this place called heaven. But because of that, because we are not citizens of this place, we are citizens of heaven, there is a different standard in which we can understand and live by, that we can find peace in, despite the chaos that may be happening all around us. So Paul is reminding us that there is something way better to look for. The now is temporary, but a life with Jesus is forever. So sometimes people look at this and people say, Oh, pastor, that means like, dude, that's easy. We don't have to do anything here on this earth. Like, nothing matters here. Break all the laws. Like, that's, we're not part of this world. Like, we're a part of the heavenly world. So, break the laws, ignore everything that's happening, and focus only on heaven, right? That's how we should deal with all the problems and trials that we're facing, right? No, okay? Yes and kind of no, but more of no, right? Uh, because if you continue onward, and this is where our scripture reading is today in Philippians 4, 4 to 7, you'll see this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul wants to remind us that yes, you and I are not citizens of this earth, but rather citizens of heaven. But that doesn't mean our minds need to be preoccupied with heaven and heaven alone, right? To the point, like, he's not saying, like, oh, well, only think about heaven and forget about everything else. He's saying, think about heaven. Remember that. But don't forget about what's happening now, okay? The promise of Jesus' return should give us juice to keep going forward in the now, right? That means we have to continue to live in the present facing these trials and tribulations while we eagerly await for his soon coming. Because there is a bigger picture at the end that we know that we're getting to, we currently have to live now, okay? Notice in verse 6, okay? 
With the background and understanding of Paul's present situation, his current context, being in prison, and the state of the Church of Philippi, and this, this extremely patriotic Roman city that they were all living in, okay, there's so much more weight to what Paul has to say. You see, Paul is making a choice to express gratitude. And what Paul isn't doing is he's not looking at the present situation that he finds himself in or that he finds other people in, and he's not allowing that to dictate his gratitude. He's not allowing that to dictate his life. He's not allowing that to dictate his walk with Christ. You see, what he's doing is, is he's choosing to look at the cross. He's choosing to look at the bigger picture, that the things in this world are simply temporary, while God and Jesus, a life with him, will be forever. And he understands that. He holds on to that promise and chooses that instead of allowing the things of this world to control him. Okay? And that's the choice that Paul is making. Paul chooses rather than allowing everything to dictate. And that church is truly, I believe, the mark of a Christian walk. Right? I think sometimes we, we as a church um, tend to get caught up a lot in this ideal of like feeling, right? the feeling part of Christianity. And, oh, like, I feel this way, right? The music made me feel this way. Or the sermon was so powerful, it compelled me to do this or to do that. Or, or, some, or sometimes we say, oh, well, the music, I wasn't feeling, right? It wasn't really, like, my style, right? Not, not my kind of music or not to my liking or, oh, the sermon was lame. Like, uh, Pastor Tim has very unorganized sermons and, and so I didn't really feel anything. Like, I didn't get anything out of it. Now, I'm not trying to say your feelings are irrelevant. Hopefully, you guys are not getting that message. I think feelings are very important. We have to acknowledge how we feel because we're human beings, right? Like, are we going to be a robot or are you going to be like a little doll that just sits in the corner of the room collecting dust? Like, no. Like, you have feelings. You are human. We have to acknowledge these things. But I think it's so important that we as Christians do not get caught up in those feelings. Because when we get caught up in the feelings and the things that are happening in this world, we miss the bigger picture of what God is and what God is doing for us, right? And then we really misinterpret who He is, right? And then we have this bad impression, right? When things don't go well, you, you study hard for a test and you're praying and then you do terrible, you're like, oh God, like, look what you did to me, right? No, like, see, that's the problem. Like, we can't be getting caught up in those feelings and these emotions. That's why in the Christian walk, I think it's so important that it's not just about how we feel, right? It's more about the decisions and the choices we make. We have to choose to live a certain lifestyle. We have to choose the higher ground. We have to choose to be grateful. We have to choose to be giving. We have to choose these things. Paul beautifully wraps it up and he says in verse 7, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You see, this is the whole point. And this is my challenge and prayer to all of you. When we get into this habit of simply bringing everything to Jesus, right? Bringing everything to the foot of the cross. Our feelings, right? Our emotions, our everything. When we make that decision to do that, what Paul is reminding us is that ultimately, when we do that, it's God that can bring us peace. It's God that can bring healing. It's God that can bring hope. It's God that can provide for all of this. But the thing we must do, the most important thing we have to do, is we have to decide to do that. You see, church, when you decide and you choose gratitude, when you choose gratitude, 
you are ultimately choosing God. When you choose to be grateful, you are choosing and making that decision to bring it all to Him, despite what's happening around us. And just as Paul talks about over and over again to the church in the Philippi, right? He keeps telling them, just be grateful. Like, don't, don't worry about what's happening outside. Remember who you are. Remember that you are a child of God. Remember that God cares for you. Right? God is there for you. That God wants you to bring everything to Him. Because it's Him that can bring ultimate peace, healing, and understanding. You know, as we wrap up this series today, for the rest of this year, for the rest of 2020 and onward to 2021, as we look at, you know, the lost art of gratitude and, you know, last, last series we talked about this, this ideal of giving, right? And we're going to talk about priorities next week. I, I want to challenge you guys to make this decision. The decision to be thankful. The decision to choose God. To acknowledge the emotions and feelings we have, but ultimately in the end, despite what happens in our world today, to choose thankfulness, to choose gratitude. And to choose to see the bigger picture that God has for you.